Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. Don't look now, but there's another entrant into the highly competitive EV or electric vehicle market. Honda and Sony are partnering up with a joint venture to build and sell EVs. A longtime Honda executive, Yashihide Mizuno, is going to be the chairman and the CEO. They think they can bring together the Honda's mobility development capabilities and production capacity with Sony's sensing technology and basically do a high-end EV that they can debut within the next couple of years. Sony first debuted a concept EV at the Consumer Electronics Show in 2020, a sedan, the Vision S concept, that had a bunch of sensors and other technologies. In 2022, they returned with the Vision SO2, an SUV, saying that it would form a business this year to put the car into production. Along comes Honda. The Vision SO2 was said to be 536 horsepower, no battery size or details of range given, an all-wheel drive setup, and compete against things like the Polestar 3, the Chevy Equinox EV, and the Ford Mustang Mach-E, which we all know is not a real Mustang, but don't tell Ford. And last year, Honda said it would exclusively sell battery electric and hydrogen-powered vehicles by 2040, assuming we're all not just using teleporters, but whatever. And in the United States, Honda is going to begin with its 2024 model year Honda Prologue, an all-EV SUV that's going to come out next year in 2023 with a range of about 300 miles. Sony and Honda are saying their new product is going to be 2025, subject to regulatory approvals. And now from the slip on your Birkenstocks, grab your tambourine and put on that flowing white robe file, it's the summer solstice! The longest day of sunlight in the year in North America, the time when the North Pole is tilted at its maximum toward the sun, so we get more sun than we ever get at any time during the whole year. Woohoo! You know what summer solstice needs, honestly? We need food and beverage that are connected to it, because you know it's not really a party until there's something about eating and drinking. And I'm not saying you go full Saturnalia or nothing, I'm just saying it needs to be iconic. But yeah, it's the first day of summer. Now, obviously, summer solstice has been celebrated by people groups for a long time. One of the most common ways it was celebrated, particularly in pre-Christian times in Europe, was by the lighting of bonfires. And the reason you light a bonfire is to make sure to fuel up the sun for the remainder of the crop season and to ensure a good harvest. There's a reason that kids don't study AP Celtic physics in high school anymore. Another bygone tradition that took place in medieval Germany along the Moselle River, kind of interesting. The residents of the village would get a big old discarded wagon wheel. You know, the kind of thing that you see laying by the roadside all the time. They would decorate it. They put a lot of straw and then they'd light it. And then the men of the village would take turns rolling the wheel of fire down into the river, you know, to make sure that you had a good growing season. I mean, that just sounds like Tuesday on the bayou to me, but what do I know? Of course, if you're familiar with the monoliths that we have discovered all over the earth, including, of course, the most famous Stonehenge in England, they are strongly oriented around the solstice. Standing at the center, you can see the sun rising at a certain point to the left of the heel stone. We don't really know what people did in these monoliths or what they did with them or why there was that table in the middle and what they ate on it. Let's hope that's what they were doing. 
We know that the Chinese have done celebrations for years. In fact, they believe that the yin and yang, which switched dominance over the course of a year, the yang is at its most dominant at this point. And then in winter solstice, the yin takes back over. But also in China, summer solstice is the completion of the winter wheat harvest, an event worthy of celebrating, where you get to eat all of the best noodles made out of the brand new wheat. So if you're feeling extra multicultural, wish somebody happy Lamion Day. You might know them as ramen noodles, although that's the Japanese word for the noodles that the Chinese originally developed, pulled wheat. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And finally to Florida, where Governor Ron DeSantis recently announced a sporting event. Today I'm announcing that registration is now open for the 2022 Florida Python Challenge. That's right, the annual Burmese Python Challenge pays competitors who get the most or the biggest Burmese pythons out of the Everglades. Most pythons, you get $2,500 grand prize. Longest python, $1,500 grand prize. I mean, this is a huge project. There are maybe 100,000 of them in the state. It's an invasive species. It's native only to Southeast Asia. And they exploded in population in the U.S. because people brought them over to be pets, and then they got out into the wild, and they don't have any natural predators. So they quickly multiply thanks to the fact that they lay, you know, 100 eggs a clutch. They can grow as long as 23 feet. We haven't seen any quite that large caught in the contest, but still pretty big ones. In 2021, our ultimate grand prize winner removed a record 41 pythons all by himself. And the longest python was caught by uh, Brandon Call when it was 15 feet, 9 inches long. And even though 8,000 pythons have been killed during DeSantis's governorship, this is not thought to be much of a dent in the 100,000 or so that are believed to be roaming around South Florida. And just to give a sense of the impact that these predators have on local species, a 2012 study showed that since 1997, the number of raccoons has dropped by 99%, possums by 99%, and huge numbers of cottontail rabbits and foxes have gone down, which you would naturally imagine is the kind of thing that might wind up on the inside of a Burmese python. But they're very hard to control. As I said, they reproduce very quickly. They're not easy to see. In fact, part of the money that Governor DeSantis is spending on Python control is to develop technologies that can spot them more easily and remove them, even infrared and other technologies. They can be legally killed anywhere on private property at any time, but you are supposed to kill them humanely. In fact, in order to register for the event, you have to take an online training course and you have to demonstrate capability of pithing them, which is a way of knocking them out, like with that pneumatic stun gun that you saw in No Country for Old Men. Yeah, you use that on the python's brain, and then you basically wiggle a metal rod inside their head to destroy the brain. There's some dispute about whether this is okay for the python. The PETA people think that it's horrible, but the PETA people think that everything is horrible. No, you're not allowed to shoot them. And no, cutting off the head is not a solution. And in fact, if you do it inappropriately, you wind up getting disqualified from the competition. Or if you kill a native snake. So don't do that either. But if you understand the rules and you'd like to find a few snakes between August 5th and 14th, get more information at flpythonchallenge.org. On the other hand, if you're squeamish about snakes, well, 
as we all know, you're in pretty good company. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. Please consider subscribing to the digital or the print edition of Newsweek. If you haven't already, hit the five-star rating before a python swallows it. I appreciate it. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to the Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek. Newsweek.